Well, we are taking a a big survey through the whole Bible. We're reading through the Bible in two years, and we are now in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter twelve is where we're going to start this morning. Although we've got a long way to go today, <laughs> when you read what is it, one one hundredth of the Bible every week? That's quite a few chapters. <laughs> oh. Why have I combined the outlines of two books in one here? Yeah, in the book, it, when the book was originally written in, back in probably Ezra's day, it was written as one book. And when was it divided up into two? Yeah, Septuagint translation put it into two. Uh, so you have to take them both together to see what the point of the book is. And, and what's the primary emphasis in the book of Chronicles? Well, the, the reign of David is certainly major. Uh, more chapters are devoted to him than anyone else. And then Tracy? Okay, specifically what kind of worship? Temple worship, yes. Major point on the temple. We, we've got uh, nine chapters on Solomon and, and a good number of those chapters are on the building of the temple. In addition to that, repeatedly throughout the book, you have people restoring the temple. I mean, it's just, it really has a lot about the temple. Um, in, in this morning's lesson, we're going to have, certainly have some things about the temple. Uh, we're, we're covering a number of the kings. In fact, let me just... Looking at the chart here. Uh, which side of the chart does Chronicles cover? Left or right? Left, Judah. Um, what book would you have to go to to find the uh, kings of Israel? Yeah, the book of Kings, which in fact has both north, north and south. Although it seems like it spends more time on the north kings, but in Chronicles, it's all just uh, the kings of Judah. Uh, and we're in Rehoboam, who was the first king of the divided kingdom of Judah, just finishing up his reign in chapter twelve. Um, what we're going to see as we go through here is just a variety of characters of these kings. Now our chart puts a plus beside the king that any king that's good. And we've got a couple of those. Uh, Joash began good, but he didn't end good. And um, question mark is supposed to be began good and didn't, you know, was somewhat good, but I don't know why they didn't do that with Joash. Uh, we're supposed to go all the way through. Um, let me see, Athaliah, Joash, and Uzziah. That's how far we're supposed to get. I don't know if we can make it that much. It's a long way. But let's talk about Rehoboam. Um, of course, he's the guy that you know really did the stupid thing when, uh, in last week's lesson, when the northern tribes asked if he would make things easier on them. Was he a good king? No, um, it, it does seem that he kind of got a little bit sobered up when uh, the ten tribes left. And for the few, first few years, it seemed like they were following God. But in, in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, When the kingdom of Rehoboam was established and strong, he and all Israel with him forsook the law of the Lord. Well, in doing that, of course, he was just following the example of his father in, in Solomon's later years. 
And they already had the temples to those idols that Solomon had built for his wives. So it's pretty easy to do this. And, and this just continues to happen over and over. But God does not bless people who forsake Him. And so what's the first thing that happens after He forsakes God? Yes. Um, now, was he, would Egypt be a major power or a minor power? Major. And Rehoboam's kingdom of Judah? Minor. That's right. So, here you have this little ringing. I don't have a map that covers the Egypt and all that, but uh, Egypt is down off here to the southwest and they would come up that way to, to attack. And... Um, who won these battles? Yeah, Egypt won. It was just... Um, I don't, it doesn't appear there was any contest. In fact, um, in verse 4 it says, He captured the fortified cities of Judah. He came as far as Jerusalem. And then the prophet told Rehoboam, you know, you're, you're going to lose because you've been serving idols instead of serving God. And... Um, so then they humble themselves and the Lord said, well, okay, then I won't destroy you. However, <laughs> i got to learn a lesson. And the lesson was, Shishak, the Pharaoh, sacked the city of Jerusalem. And among the other things that he took was something that uh, Rehoboam felt so bad about that he had to build a replacement. And what was that? Golden shields. Golden shields. These were just amazing. I mean, Solomon had made... I don't know how many, but a whole bunch of shields that that they could use on ceremonial occasions that were gold. I mean, there were two different sizes. The heavier size weighed 90 pounds each. That was a good good amount of gold. And you know, can you imagine that on a bright sunny day, you have a big parade with the king and have these guys walking side by next to Solomon with all their shiny gold shields? Amazing. How how did Rehoboam afford to replace those shields? He was brought. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a parable of what happens when we forsake God, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, um, that kind of finishes off um, Rehoboam. And um, the next king was um, Abijah. Here, let me jump forward. I'll come back. Um, yeah, he's not a good king either. He didn't reign very long. I'm gonna go back to the map, though. Um, he, um, who did he fight against in chapter 13? Yeah, he he fought against the northern kingdom of Jeroboam. And although they had had border raids back and forth for for a while, this was just this was a very major operation. Uh, again, was Abijah a good king? It doesn't say he was. Um, and in fact, if you go to First, first Kings chapter fifteen, which is a parallel passage, it says that his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord. So, um, but you you wouldn't know that to listen to him give this speech. This is this is kind of an interesting case. It's it's. Kind of a, uh, we see examples of this today too. Um, they, when they came out in their, to have their battle, and it was a huge battle, I mean, you know, hundreds of thousands of people on each side, 
Um, the king, Abijah, got up on this Mount Zemaraim, which I'm not certain where it is. Edersheim says it's somewhere in this neighborhood here, uh, northeast of Bethel, northwest of Jericho. Um, I'm not certain if he knows, but um, anyway, he gets up on a place where he can make this speech and they, the enemy, the, the northern king of Israel, can hear him. And, and what's the basic point of the speech? Yeah, we're serving God and you're not. Now, meanwhile, we know, in fact, he's not really serving God. His heart's not wholly devoted to the Lord. Um, and when he goes through this history, he very conveniently neglects the things that would be kind of to his discredit or to his ancestors' discredit, like Solomon and Rehoboam, and picks all the stuff that's bad about the other kingdoms. Now, it certainly was true that they were doing much better than Jeroboam. Jeroboam had put up those golden calves. I mean, it was terrible what he was doing. But it certainly wasn't true that um, God was with them in, in the southern kingdom. I mean, God was with them as long as they were with Him, and they weren't always with Him. But, you know, this is, I mean, people, we're still that like this today. I mean, we, we can see all the faults in everyone else. We're the ones with God. <laughs> it's not always necessarily true. Just, I mean, we, we may see the things that are wrong with the other person, but uh, what what was Jesus' parable they talked about? Um, yeah, let me help you take that speck out of your eye. Meanwhile, there's a beam in your own eye, and this is this is sort of the problem with Abijah. But God did help him in this battle, and um, they ended up in a very difficult situation where they were. Um, that somehow Jeroboam had managed to get troops behind the, the army of Judah and in front of the army of Judah. Just a terrible situation to be in. And they cried to the Lord. And it says the priests blew the trumpets and so God gave them the victory. And a huge huge number of the northern kingdom of Israel fell. And, and Jeroboam really didn't have any politic, much uh, military power after that, after having lost such a huge battle. It says in verse 20, he did not again recover strength in the days of Abijah. Did, did you? Yeah, Tracy. Yeah, I was wondering when I think it was in Joshua or Numbers when um, Rehoboam wanted to um, stay on which side, that he had a Reuben on one side and half of Reuben on the other side, or Reuben on one side and they built that. A big altar. Yeah, it was at it was at the end of the book of Joshua. They built the altar right around here, right. Um, and uh, Reuben uh, and uh, Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh were living on the east side. Right. Is it, did that get destroyed during this battle, or was it already already destroyed? That altar. The altar is never mentioned again after the book of Joshua, so I, there's no way to answer when it got destroyed. Uh, I would be surprised if it got destroyed. They weren't fighting anywhere near where that altar was, so I don't think it would have been affected. Um, all right, so then we go to um, our first good king, Asa. And um, one of the things that is really well worth noting, and you can see it on this chart, because the longer the line is, the longer the king reigned, is that for many of these kings, the longer reigns were the reigns of the good kings. I mean, you look here, Rehoboam, he reigned 17 years, Abijah just two or three, Asa, 
I don't I have to calculate that out, but it, it's you know over 40 years that, that you have a good king reigning. Uh, his son Jehoshaphat, 25 years. Um, then you have some bad kings in there, pretty short. And then Joash, although he doesn't have a plus beside him, for, for a good part of his reign, he was good as well. And that made a huge difference in keeping the southern kingdom from being destroyed as early as the northern kingdom. Over here, you didn't have the good kings. You didn't have very many that reigned very long either. Uh, and so when you, you know, if you just added, you know, looked at the numbers of kings, you'd say, well, you know, not very many good compared to the number of bad. But if you look at the years they reigned, uh, God, in His graciousness, gave the good kings longer reigns and, and more influence over the people. There are some exceptions. The biggest exception is right here almost off the map is Manasseh, a bad king, very bad king, who reigned a long time. Why did they do that in Judah? There was a few kings that reigned really long. Gehab and... Uh, uh, you, you don't mean Judah, you mean Israel. I'm an Israel. Yeah. So, what, you're asking, why didn't they do that? Because Ahab reigned a long time, so did... There were no good kings. I mean, yeah. how many kings over here have a plus? None of them. Zero. Yeah. Well, yeah, God did authorize the division. He 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 announced it in the days of Solomon. But what he didn't authorize was for them to forsake him and have the golden calves. I mean, I didn't know he I'm not saying he authorized worship, but he authorized the division of the kingdom. He had a prophet who actually anointed Jeroboam, the first king of Israel. Um, and the reason the division took place was because of Solomon's forsaking him. What he did, what, but he, God had never intended for them to set up the golden calves. That was what he didn't authorize. And they just did that because they didn't have faith in God. That it was just a political expediency for them. Does the Scripture not talk about Jeroboam not wanting the, his people to return? Right, that was the reason he set up the golden calf because he, if they kept going three times a year to Jerusalem, he was afraid they would. Yeah, yeah. Politically, what he did made sense. Spiritually, it was disaster. Yeah, and we'll see several times in this morning. So that's what people do. What politically seems to make sense, but spiritually, it was not a good decision. Um. So. We have Asa, and it says in verse chapter 14, verse 2, Asa did good and right in the sight of the Lord his God. He's removing foreign altars, um, you know, tearing down sacred pillars, cutting down these statues of, of the Asherah. Um, and, and he had peace at the beginning of his reign. So in verse 6, he built fortified cities in Judah because the land was undisturbed. That's not the sort of thing you can do in the middle of a war, but when he has peace, he's, he's, he's getting ready. Um, he had a big army, and pretty soon the challenge comes. Um, in verse nine, Zero the Ethiopian came with how many men? A million men. Yeah, I don't think that. Um, I would say it was something, something like double the number of men that that Asa had. Um, now it says Ethiopian. You need to understand that back in those days. Ethiopia and Egypt were all one kingdom. Sometimes the Pharaoh would be an Ethiopian, sometimes he might be an, an Egyptian, but it's the same empire. This is Egypt that's attacking. Um, just like Egypt attacked um, 
his um, well, I don't have the chart now, but great grandfather Rehoboam, um, or grandfather, I guess it is. Yeah, his grandfather Rehoboam. So Egypt is coming out with this huge army, um, million men, three hundred chariots, um, and we're going to have a first and only time that this is going to happen. Um, this is the only time in the entire history when the kingdom of Judah won in a battle against any of the major powers, Egypt or Babylon, uh, that was on the open field. I'm not talking about staying inside Jerusalem and you know, just withstanding a siege, but a battle out in the open. This is the only time. And why did they win the battle? That's right. They called on God. Um, they realized they were in just in terrible shape. The battle took place a little bit northwest of Lachish. We don't have the, the city of Marisha uh, on the map here, but it's a little bit northwest of Lachish. And, um, of course, all this huge army is coming up from the, you know, the coast like that, headed toward Jerusalem. And then they went out and met him in the field. And, and Asa called him the Lord. Lord, there is no one besides you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. And you know, who, which side was it who had no strength? Yeah, it was his own side of Judah. He didn't have a trained army like that, you know, uh, huge numbers. Um, but God, God gave them the victory, and it says they chased in verse 13. They pursued them as far as Gerar, which is also on the map, but it's a little bit southwest of Lachish. So this was in the area. Lachish was one of their fortified uh, cities. Um, and so we go into chapter 15, and. The Spirit of God came on Azariah the son of Oded. He's never mentioned again in the Bible. Just this one time. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with Him. And if you seek Him, He will let you find Him. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. Major principle here. Still applies today, obviously. Um, and and Asa's, you know, Asa, you started well. As long as you'll serve God, uh, he, He'll be on your side. Now that seems easy. I mean, that just seems like who would be so stupid as to do anything other than serve God? I mean, when you've seen Him defeat an army of a million men like this from, from the major world power, who would ever be so stupid as to turn away from God? But we're looking at the guy right here because by the end of Asa's life, that's exactly what he has done. Not directly forsaking him like, you know, going off and, and worshiping idols. Um, but... Getting the point of pride and, and, and trusting in, in worldly means instead of in God. But that's, that's for a later chapter. In the meantime, in verse 8, when he heard these words, he, he did even more in terms of getting rid of idolatry and turning the people to God. Um, it, it, at the end of verse 8, he, he restored the altar of the Lord which was in front of the porch of the Lord. This is, of course, in the temple. And the, the, the reason he's having to restore this is because his father and grandfather had, had been serving idols and, and perverting things. And um, so he's turning them back. And, and in verse 15, all Judah rejoiced concerning the oath, for they had sworn with their whole heart and had sought him earnestly, and he let them find him. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. It says he also removed Maacah, his mother, 
she she apparently had a position of quite a bit of political power, but he removed her from position because she had made an image of of, a, of the goddess Ashira. Um, so even late later in his reign, Asa is still working on these reforms. I mean, th- th- this prophet has inspired him, and there were, in, at the end of, of the chapter, there was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. And at that point, things start turning bad. In chapter 16, he got attacked by Baasha, the king of Israel. So uh, the capital, well, the capital was actually Shechem at this time. Um, that Baasha comes down, and, and it was a terrible situation they were in because he fortified Ramah. Here's the king of the, of the north who's grabbed Ramah right out of the area of Judah. He's captured it. He's turning it into a fort. A, a couple of major roads pass right beside there. So if, if he's got that place controlled, he's stopping the people of the north who want to come down to worship in Jerusalem. He, he's doing all kinds of other uh, damage to the southern kingdom. So what did Asa do to solve the problem? Yeah, now the king of Aram, the, the capital of that is Damascus, way up here off in the north, northeast off of the edge of the map. Uh, apparently, Asa's father, Abijah, had had a treaty with the Arameans. And Asa, I think in the earlier part of his reign, by trusting in God, had, had forsaken that treaty. And he was, he was going the independent route. God would take care of him. But now he's decided that for some reason, instead of asking God, He's got the money. You just hire the Arameans, and and it worked. Politically, what he did was worked. He, he hired the Arameans. They started attacking the very northern part of the kingdom of, of Israel. Baasha down here cannot keep his whole army engaged at Ramah with an even bigger enemy on the north. So he grabs his forces, goes off and fights against the Arameans, and Asa demands that everybody in the entire kingdom immediately come to his service. They grab everything, everything that was being built in Ramah to fortify it, and they drag it off to these neighboring cities of, um, I think it was Mizpah and Geba, and fortify those cities. So the Beja can't come back, and it worked. This was successful. Everything is great except what? God's not happy. Yeah, God's not happy about this. So this man named Hanani, um, who was a, it says as the seer, which means a prophet, um, he went and prophesied against Asa. You have to admire these prophets. I mean, God doesn't always give them easy jobs. I mean, He's telling this prophet to go tell Asa something that Asa's not going to want to hear. Asa's the king. And what he tells him is the truth, and he tells it in a way that if Asa wanted to listen, it would make sense. You know, were not the Ethiopians an immense army with many chariots and horsemen because you relied on the Lord and He delivered them? And he says at the end of verse 9, you have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on you will surely have wars. Um, and at the end of verse 7, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. They were as big a threat as, as, as Israel. They were an enemy, uh, but Asa just wanted to play politics, which of course is the way countries today play. Um, what was Asa's response to the prophet? Put him in prison. Yeah, I mean, you feel bad. I mean, Hanani is simply doing what God told him. His reward is to get put in prison. Um, 
And of course, Ace is not going to end well if he doesn't repent. Did he repent? He did not. He got a, a disease. What was his disease? In his feet. Yeah, we don't know what the feet disease was. I mean, but um, apparently it caused his death because a couple of years later he died. I mean, this thing got worse and worse. What did he do in his disease? Yeah, went to the doctors. Anything wrong with going to doctors? Yeah. Yeah, the problem was who he didn't go to. Now, it's not wrong to go to doctors. But when you don't go to the Lord, that's what's wrong. And he just kept trusting in doctors because he he had turned away from the Lord when he put the Lord's prophet in prison. That was his chance, and he blew it. Um, and I'll just make a, an observation here. This this kind of thing just seems to happen over and over, and you feel so bad about it. You have a guy that is so good, doing everything great, serving the Lord, and yet by the end of it. He's turned away. I mean, it'd be better to start bad and end good than start good and end bad. There are very, very few of these kings that start bad and end good, though. Usually, if you start bad, you end bad. And, and a lot of times, not very long after that. <laughs> but this Ace is not the only one that does this. It just seems like it's going so well. Why, why would you turn? Name me another one that did that. Solomon, yeah. Solomon did um, and a lot of the reason is because being a king has an awful lot of temptations to pull a person away from God. And when you're the king, you're surrounded by people who say, yes, Lord, long we live the king and all that. And you've got power, you've got money. You don't have to put up with people saying things you don't like to hear. Just like Asa, he didn't like to hear what the Hananites said. And it just, you know, over a period of years, it, it takes a person away from God. And, and we, we too could drift. And it's a big danger. I mean, you, it, it, it very often happens when a person is in the world and his life is all messed up, he turns to God, and God starts blessing him, and, 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 and things are, are, are good, and he's got money, and, and, and it's not like it was before. But now there's a brand new temptation. And, and the question is, what's he going to do with that? Um, and there, there have been more than a few people that have withstood every other temptation except success. And, and then they're just, they become useless for the Lord and for his kingdom. All right, we, we come to another king. Asa dies after his feet were sick for a couple of years. Jehoshaphat. Another good king, though, um, uh, who didn't—he didn't behave like he—he he didn't go bad like Asa did. So he, even better than Asa. Um, and in, in verse three, chapter seventeen, verse three, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father David's earlier days and did not seek the Baal, but sought the God of his father and followed his commandments all. And so he removed some of the high places and the Asherim from Judah in verse 6. In verse 7, he sent some of his officials around. In verse 9, they had the book of the law of the Lord with them. So they're going around the country teaching people. This is tremendous. I mean, if you're going to rescue a people from the sins of the, of the nations around them, 
Teaching them the law of the Lord is the way to do it. And Jehoshaphat is doing that. It's not enough just for Jehoshaphat as a king to say, okay, I'm destroying all these idols. He wants to get the people educated about the law of God and get them to, from their own hearts to serve God. It's just tremendous. And the Lord really blessed His efforts. In chapter 18, verse 1, though... <laughs> Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor and he allied himself by marriage with Ahab. And I'll show you this. We did this chart back when we did kings. This is, a, this is not the order of the reigns. This is, this is who's related to who. And so on the left we have Jehoshaphat's son Jehoram marries Athaliah. Athaliah is the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. <coughs> Uh, so the way Jehoshaphat allied himself by marriage with the house of Ahab was by marrying his son who was going to be king to the daughter of the king of, of Israel. And this is very common. I mean, a lot of the marriages that Solomon made were political marriages with, with you know, princesses from the nations around. It was, it, they were, he was forming political alliances with, with, is what he was doing. And, and very effective. You, you're not real likely to go and attack a nation um, whose queen is your daughter. Uh, and, and and you know, and they're not going to attack you. You're the you're the father-in-law of the queen. So um, it's something that's been been practiced for for centuries. Um, big problem though is that he's allying himself with the most wicked uh, dynasty that the North ever had. It was just terrible. And, and um, he came in chapter 18. He came close to losing his own life because of. He had allied himself with such a sinful man as, as King Ahab, and and this and, he, and the the real fruits of his sins don't show up till after he dies. And the, the the nation of Judah just turns terrible because um, Athaliah is the queen, and she's just she's just influencing everyone to serve Baal. It was just they didn't have Baal worship hardly to speak of it in the south until she came in and brought her mother's love of Baal worship with her. Now, I'm going to skip most of chapter 18. We did this when we did Kings. It's a very interesting story. Um, but I've got too much to cover. The, the end result in, in, in this chapter is that Jehoshaphat, whose capital was in Jerusalem, went to visit Ahab, whose capital was in Samaria. When they were there, Ahab convinced him to go with him to attack the Syrians up here in Ramoth Gilead. And before he went up there, he was told what was by the prophet of God what was going to happen to him. Yeah, Ahab would die. But Jehoshaphat had already promised, so he was kind of stuck. He went there and Ahab had this clever way of avoiding dying. What was his clever idea? He'll disguise, I won't look like the king. <laughs> Oh my, God had such trouble finding him with that stray arrow. <laughs> and so who did look like the king? Jehoshaphat. He nearly died for it. I mean, the, the Arameans were chasing after him because they thought he was Ahab. But God saved him. Then when he got back, in, in chapter 19, then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. Jehu, the son of Hanani the seer, went out to meet him. Stop for a minute. Who's his dad? The guy who went to prison for prophesying against Jehoshaphat's dad. 
And what's, what did God tell Jehu to do here? Prophesy against Jehoshaphat. Oh man. <laughs> he saw what happened to his dad, and they not. But he goes and he does it. Courage. We're talking courage here. Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord and so bring wrath on yourself from the Lord? But there is some good in you, for you have removed the Asheroth from the land and you have set your heart to seek God. What did Jehoshaphat do to him because of that? Nothing. Whew. <laughs> Lucky for Jehu. Lucky for Jehoshaphat too. I mean, what you've got with Jehoshaphat is a man who makes his mistakes, but just like David, he's humble enough to accept being rebuked for those. He really is like David. And God, of course, that's a man after God's own heart. So, in chapter 19, Jehoshaphat renewed his efforts to reform the land. In verse 5, he appointed... Well, in verse 4, it says, He went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. I get the impression the king was making state visits to all these places throughout the land trying to teach the people to obey God. Then in verse 5, he appointed judges. And this is very important. Uh, that goes to the end of the chapter as he, as he tells these, these judges how they need to behave and not take bribes and all, which was a huge problem back then. It's a major problem in nearly every nation in the, in the, in the world today where you have corrupt judges and, and you just, it just perverts justice. But, but Jehoshaphat insisted this is not going to happen here. Well, in chapter 20 then, they... They um, got invaded. Um, and I wonder if this was partly in the result of Jehu's prophecy against him. That um, you're bringing wrath on yourself from the Lord. And so the sons of Moab, sons of Ammon, and some of the Meonites came to make war against Jehoshaphat. And it was a huge group. And in verse 5, Jehoshaphat stood there in the assembly there in Jerusalem and had a prayer to God. Um, and praying for God to help them. This is exactly what he should have done. I mean, when, if, even if God was punishing him for what he had done, the person to turn to was God. And... Um, in verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel and he made a prophecy that they wouldn't have to fight this battle. You just go down and you observe it, um, but you're not going to fight. And they ended up... They're, they're in Jerusalem. The battle takes place in the wilderness of Tekoa, but it doesn't involve Judah. Um, how can you have a I mean, if you have one force attacking Judah, and Judah goes down and the battle doesn't involve Judah, who'd the battle involve then? The Lord God. Alright, Lord God. And how did the Lord God defeat the enemy? The yeah, the, 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 this army was made up of, of three different nations. And, for, and somehow He got them to start fighting each other, and they wiped, all, they wiped everyone out. And by the time the people of Judah got there, the people of Judah were simply um, praising the Lord. Um, they were um, 
you see here? In verse 20, Joshua tells them to trust in the Lord. And then in verse 21, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and who praised Him in holy attire to go in the front. This sounds a lot like the march around Jericho. You remember when, when the priests uh, had their trumpets and they carried the ark? I mean, there was no fighting to do. You just wait and let God do the work. And nothing like this had, had happened since Jericho. This is the first time since then that you'd had any kind of a battle where the Lord did the whole work. All the people of Judah had to do was gather up the spoil. And how long did it take them to do that? Three days. <laughs> All the loot that the invading armies left behind after they killed each other. And so they came back and they praised God and it says in verse 29, the dread of God was on all the kingdoms around them. I guess so. Unfortunately, in verse 35, Jehoshaphat did another dumb thing. Um, he allied himself with Ahaziah. Now, Ahaziah was the son of Ahab. And um, so Ahaziah was actually the brother of Jehoshaphat's daughter-in-law. He'd married his son Jehoram to Athaliah. Athaliah's brother was Ahaziah. He's king in the north. So they're, they're close. They're family. Ahaziah says, hey, why don't we work together and build some big ships just like... Well, he doesn't say it here, but I think what they were thinking was like Solomon did. You, you remember... Um, well, this map doesn't go far enough, but if you go way off the map, down, way down here is a port named Ezean Geber on the, the Red Sea. And uh, Solomon had built ships down there with the help of the Phoenicians, and they had sailed to Ophir for gold, and and you know got rich that way. So um, the king of Israel wants to do, I guess, to do the same thing, and but he needs a port. He doesn't have that port. I mean, the king of Israel's port is uh, is up is Joppa up here, which is remember where Jonah caught the boat. <laughs> but um, I think they're going in a different direction. What did the Lord do to the ships? Broke them up, yeah. And in Kings, the story continues that as I said, well, let's try again. And Joshua said, no, I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> so it's a dummy, but not a big dummy. Yeah, he makes his mistakes, but he learns. He learns. And I'll tell you, none of us are going to do any better than that. If we can do as well as Joshua did, we're doing as well as anyone's going to do. Um, you're just not going to find someone that doesn't make mistakes and turning you know, unfaithful in the sword God. I mean, every one of us does that at, at times. The question is, what are we going to do when God rebukes us? And Jehoshaphat showed what we ought to do. Um, so now, after Jehoshaphat, we come to Jehoram. And um, this is not so good. Um, Jehoram, who's his wife again? Athaliah. Not a good influence. Might as well be like Ahab and be married to Jezebel because Jezebel was her mom. Um, So what's the first thing that that Jehoram did after he became king? Kind of sets the tone for his reign. Kills all his brothers. Um, You're not going to have anyone else challenging me for the reign. Um... And then, in verse 8, in his days, Edom revolted against the rule of Judah. So he doesn't like that. So, he marches down to Edom, and how does that go? 
This is in chapter 21, verse 9. It says, He rose by night and struck down the Edomites who were surrounding him and the commanders of the chariots. <laughs> he was in such bad shape they had him surrounded. And he managed to cut his way through and get away, but Edom has revolted. They, they didn't belong to him anymore. And then Libna revolted. Now, if, if you're not aware of your geography, this, you're not going to understand the significance of Libna revolting. Libna is not a nation like Edom. Libna is one of the cities of Judah. I mean, this is a city in his own country that, that has revolted. And th- this may have been one of the reasons why his father Jehoshaphat had put his son, stationed them in all different cities to keep those cities loyal to the king. And now he's killed all those brothers. He doesn't have anybody loyal in these cities. And, and Libna, apparently, they just decided we don't like the king anymore and we're going our own way. Um, so, um, in verse 12, this is an amazing thing. Then a letter came to him from Elijah the prophet. This is the only time Elijah is mentioned at all in Chronicles. I mean, in, in Kings, he's mentioned a lot. And he prophesies to him what's going to happen. And he finally ends up exactly what Elijah said would happen. Happens. He gets this terrible disease. And um, it, what does it say? Your bowels will come out because of the sickness. It's pretty, it's pretty sad. It reminds us of Herod in, in, in the book of Acts. He got eaten by worms. Um, so he died and they did, they, they did not have a fire for him up. A fire of mourning. They just we're not we're not talking about cremation. They didn't cremate anybody back then, but uh, in in of the Jews, but they, they didn't have a, a mourning for him. They they weren't sad to see him go. Um, unfortunately, he left behind his son Ahaziah, who's no better. Who was Ahaziah's mom? Athaliah. Yeah. So. Um, so he was very much allied to um, the northern kingdom because his, his uncle is the king of Israel, Ahaziah's uncle. And so he went with his uncle to fight against the Arameans at Ramoth Gilead. Hey, wherever hey, we have Ramoth Gilead before. <laughs> and um, they wound his uncle Jehoram. And. He goes to visit Jehoram in, in Jezreel and he's there just at the exact time when Jehu comes along. What is Jehu there to do? Kill him. Jehu wipes out the family of Ahab, including the king's nephew, <laughs> Ahaziah. And in fact, there's a bunch of the king's relatives who come up to visit not knowing what's happened. Jehu kills all of them. So at this point... We don't have a lot of descendants of David here. Because, remember, when Jehoram started, he killed all his brothers. And now you have, Jehoram, of course, is dead. Ahaziah got killed by Jehu, plus all the relatives that came up to visit him. You just don't have too many. You do have some children of Ahaziah left. And in verse 8, no, no, in verse 10, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that his son was dead, she rose and destroyed all the royal offspring of the house of Judah. These are her grandchildren. But if one of her grandchildren becomes king, she's going to be out. They're not going to make her 
the, the king's advisor, I mean, these kids were probably all underage, they would have made someone perhaps like the high priest to be uh, the kind of the, the um, what do you call it, the, the regent, yeah, while the, the king himself was a figurehead while he was underage. So she's not going to have that. She wants her own way. She kills all the rest of the kids. Except one, yeah. Um, here we have the, the genealogy again. Her son Azai got killed by Jehu. All she kills all the, the baby or all the children of, of Azai, except she doesn't know it. But a little infant, one year old Joash, gets hidden by his aunt Jehoshaphat. She was the, the daughter of Jehoram. I don't know if his mom was Athaliah, maybe not. But um, his aunt rescued him and hid him and got him into the house in the temple. I assume that she, her husband was Jehoiada, the high priest. I assume they actually lived in the temple on the temple grounds. This is a little bit unusual. We don't know a lot about it, but that's what the story seems to indicate. And for six years, they raise him up, probably pretending like he's their own child. And, and Athaliah has no idea she missed one. And for six years, she's inflicting her horrible rule on the, on the kingdom of Judah. Bring in Baal worship, shutting the doors of the temple, desecrating anything that belongs to Jehovah, and, and uh, basically working as a dictator. And in the seventh year, the high priest who was... At this point, he's getting pretty old because he lived to the age of 130. He's probably over 100 by this time. He gathers everybody together and they have a, a coup to oust Athaliah. And they've got the rightful heir, the rightful king. And she comes up and, and shouts treason, but she was the one, of course, committed the treason, and they execute her. They execute the, the priest of the, uh, the house of Baal. And in chapter 24, it says in verse 2, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Too bad that wasn't all of his days. But um, Joash seems to me to be uh, just a weak kind of character. He, he can be good when he's around good people, but he can be really bad when he's around bad people. And so as long as Jehoiada was alive, he, he was loyal. And I'm sure if you'd ask Joash, you know, Hey, do you really love the Lord? I sure do. I love the Lord with all my heart. But it turned out not to be true once um, his um, stepfather, Jehoiada, had died. But before that happened, they, they repaired the temple. They raised money from free will offerings of the people. And they, they repaired the temple because, of course, Athaliah and, and, and um, the king she had influenced had done terrible damage to it. But then... In verse 17, this is 24 17, after the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. They abandoned the house of the Lord, they set up idols, and so on. And the Spirit of God, in verse 20, came on Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada. It may be, though, that he was actually the grandson, because Jehoiada had already died at the age of 130. Um, and I assume Zechariah was the high priest. In, yeah, I think he might have been the grandson because Jesus says that Zechariah was the son of Berechiah, uh, who would have, who perhaps was in between these two. Um, 
And Zechariah prophesies against Joash, and what's his reward? They kill him right in the temple. They stone him to death in the court of the house of the Lord. I think I think the way Jesus put it was between the altar and the holy place. Yeah. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which his father Jehoiada had done. And so, in verse 23, then the Arameans came in, and they came in with a smaller army than what the people of Judah had. But who won? Arameans, because God had departed from them. And they left Joash in terrible shape. He was on a sickbed, and what does his loyal servants do while he was on the sickbed? They murdered him, yeah. Nobody likes a failure for a king. I mean, the worst thing you can do as a leader of a country is lose. <laughs> lose a war. And so they killed him, brought in Amaziah. We're going to, have to stop there. We'll, we'll take up with chapter 25 next time. Appreciate everyone's help.